Welcome to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast, brought to you by TournamentPokerEdge.com, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to tournament poker strategy. And now, here are your hosts, Ron Fez Buddy and Killing Bird. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Tournament Poker Edge podcast. I am Killing Bird, as always, joined by my co-host, Ron Fezbuddy. How are you? Good. How's it going, dude? It's going very well. Yeah? Uh, getting excited. We're just a few days away. Well, I'm just a few days away from leaving. Hate from you. Vegas. I won't actually. I won't actually be there for like Hate you. five or six days, but I am leaving in like two days or three days I or something. I am not so. very happy that, the, that you're getting <laughs> to go and play poker for a month and a half, yeah. two months, and I'm not... It's going to be a lot of fun, but you can live vicariously through us while we're out there. Through you? <laughs> through me, through the big dog. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You, through me, it might not be very exciting because I'll be grinding Golden Nugget tournaments, but through the other guys, it might be fun. Yeah, no, it's going to be awesome to sweat you guys. Looking forward to it. And you're going to do the TP lives this year, right? Yep, yep. So uh, for those of you who are not aware, we do another podcast called Tournament Poker Edge Live. You can find that over at the website or just search Tournament Poker Edge Live on iTunes. And uh, we've probably talked about it before, but just in case you haven't heard it, it's a little bit of an uh, informal podcast that we do, just kind of updating from live events uh, our progress. And, you know, we talk to different people and see how they're doing in tournaments. Occasionally we talk about a hand, but mostly it's just... uh, you know, a good time rehashing our days of tournaments. So, yeah, should be. Um, those are fun things. Encourage, yeah, definitely encourage people to check that out. It's, it's a lot of fun, and, and we roll a lot of those out. Like, we'll do three or four of those a week, so uh, make sure you check those out. Excellent. Excellent. And uh, and I'm looking forward to this podcast. You know, like I said, we are coming up on the World Series here, and, and obviously a bunch of other events, too, the Venetian Deep Stacks and stuff like that. So we thought it was appropriate to talk a little bit of, uh, a little bit of live poker. So we're going to bring Cougars and T-Twist in. To have that conversation should be fun. Two of our premier live pros, we should say, both yeah, final tableists at major uh, events. Yeah, I think T Twist has got two. Well, two the two big uh, circuit event uh, final tables. I think he actually might have won one of them or second one of them. I can't remember. I think he got sure. second for sure in one of them. I'm not sure we yeah. did another. I know he did, got a third when I was with him. So yep. he's got some nice ones. And, uh, and Cougars, of course, recently final tabled the WPT uh, regional main event down in Florida. So yep. um, those guys definitely have some insight. And I do think the live game is changing over the last few years. So yeah. it'll be interesting to kind of see their take on it and also kind of the differences between live and online and stuff like that. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I've been at a live tournament venue with Sean just once. So I really haven't gotten to watch him play live. But T-Twist, we've... I've, couple times now and he's gone deep you know a couple times that I've way I've watched him and he's he's a good live player man he he really is one of those guys that you know good online obviously um he's, he's one of our pros but live he just he's really one of those guys who can really feel out the table and understands the live game and the differences in the live game so I'm you know excited to have him on to talk about that yeah yeah he just gets it yep. For for whatever reason, like you know, there's certain people who just are really good at some things naturally, and he is definitely very good at, at live poker. It seems so. Yep. It should be fun. Yep. Cool. So, well, um, we, you know, with that, we got a lot to talk to those guys about. So we might as well just uh, jump right into it. So we'll take a quick break, and we'll come back with Cougars forty four forty four and T Twist here on the TPE podcast.
Hey, MT Tears. This is Casey Big Dog Pocket Five Stars of from TournamentPokerEdge.com. If you've been looking for a trading site dedicated exclusively to tournament poker, then look no further. Tournament Poker Edge is only $23.95 per month with no initial sign-up fee and we post a new training video every weekday. You also find poker-related articles, blogs, and very active strategy forums. We even offer you the ability to upload your own video for others to discuss. So head on over to TournamentPokerEdge.com and find out why it's quickly becoming the destination for tournament poker players looking to take their game to the next level. TournamentPokerEdge.com Hey everybody, welcome back to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast. Time to bring in our pros, Tim Kelly, Sean Hendrickson. What's up, gentlemen? Hi! Hello, Yay! Yay! <laughs> Yay! Never gets old hearing Sean say, hey! <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I've heard that three times now. Two on previous podcasts and now one with him. Makes me <laughs> want to say, right. yay! Two times right. later. Of the cutest hello in TPE pros, Sean That's right. Cougars. I'm good for something, boys. <laughs> First Thank God. I hung out with three of my other buddies, and the word cutest was used. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So how you guys been? Uh, I've been fantastic. Can't complain. Um, especially uh, that, considering we're doing this podcast in the evening, and I've just arrived home from the Toronto Blue Jays beating up on the New York Yankees and actually sweeping a series from them. Ooh, and nice. I'm stoked about that. And uh, just came off my second son, uh, his second birthday. On, oh, uh, cool. Birthday. So happy birthday, Kyle. And, little uh, twist. Yeah. Little, little twist. Little twist. Little twist. Little twist. So everything's going wonderful. Can't complain. Just can't wait to, to uh, get on a plane and head south. Yes. Well, it won't be long, and that kind of uh, that kind of segues nicely into our topic for today. We want to talk a little bit about live poker. Yeah, enjoy that drive. <laughs> I'm actually looking forward to it. I, I've said this before, but I actually enjoy long drives, especially by myself. So I'm kind of looking forward to it in a weird, twisted way. It's yeah. uh, long. I made the long, two long drives lately: uh, AC in December, and then AC in March. It's it's kind of nice, like it's a perfect range that eight hour. You know, I'm eight hours away from AC. His is about 40. 40 hours. Oh, my God. It's only 35. <laughs> only. So are you doing that in one day or two days? Um, wait, wait. Duh. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. What an idiot. <laughs> you know, that is not going off the podcast. Uh, well, I was going to say. <laughs> I was about to say three days because hey. two days is wrong. Just try and do it in one. <laughs> the thing is, is it is possible because if you do. Wait, okay, all right, Donald Brown, tell us how. Because if it's sixty-five mile an hour at thirty, it's going to take you thirty-five hours. Well, guess what, Derek? It's one hundred and thirty-five all the way there. I mean, not even. That'll get you there half. But so you're going to need to do what? One fifteen. Well, but here's the thing: I gained three hours going out True. there. Hold on, Ooh. you can borrow my Delorean. As long as you get your own plutonium. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Diego Lamontu. <laughs> I, I gained three hours, so I only have to actually go 32 hours, but I'm certainly going to be going over 65. I guess the question wasn't supposed to be one or two days. <laughs> the question I meant to ask was, are you breaking it up? Are you going to like stop somewhere and see people, or are you just going like you know drive? I'm going to pull over yeah, and sleep. Going. 
Right. I'm going pretty much straight through. Um, I may stop and have lunch with a friend in Oklahoma City. With that aside, I don't plan to stop other than to sleep, eat, piss. You're going to stop and get a hotel, right? You want to shower sometime in the middle of that, trust me. Yeah. What I'm kind of thinking is, this is my plan. A couple of rest stops for you, right? I'm going to do 18 hours the first day, and then I'm going to sleep in my car. And then I'm going to do about 15 hours. Then you're there. And then I'm going to get a hotel, and then I only have like a few hours the next day, so I'm going to get up in the morning, drive to the airport, meet Casey Jarzebeck, and go to the house. So I just have to get within a few hours of Vegas to pick him up at the airport at 9 a.m. And you've offered any podcast listener that wants to be picked up and driven, no matter what you smell like, no matter, no matter how weird you may be. I actually don't think I'm going to have room. The truck is very is going to be very full. I started putting the boxes together and kind of measuring everything out, and it's going to be you know pretty what? packed. If anyone wants to do it, any podcast listener wants to do it, we <laughs> will pay for your box bird. shipping. We and, and, we, and we will make room. We will make room for you. Okay, and the interesting thing about this particular podcast is the four guys involved tonight actually are part owners of Term and Poker Edge. So, Der- Derek, as a part owner, I'm going out on a limb here and saying that first night, you may pull over to a Motel 6 and you have a, 20, and you have a $29.99 budget. You go over and it's out of your own pocket, but we'll allow you to have – you don't have to sleep in your truck, dude. And plus, if you got no room for a podcast ma- uh, listener, you ain't got room to lay down. Yeah. If anyone needs a package delivered, contact Derek. <laughs> That's why I'm. I, I mean, the whole point of me driving is to save the company money. So I'm. I'm trying to save every so penny cool. I can. What's the What's the main interstate that's is going to move you um, east to west? Forty. Okay. Podcast listeners on Interstate 40, <laughs> if you see North Carolina plates and a packed truck, get out of the way. Get out of the way because wait, the man wait, wait. is. There's okay. more, more detailed. Hair metal blasting. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Rockin', is rocking. Right, yeah, definitely well, a bumper sticker that says like gun control, a steady, <laughs> a steady hand, or something like that. That'll be him. So, and definitely, you do you, you got to have like dice hanging in your rearview mirror. No, no dice. Dice. Unfortunately, hmm. I have. Um, yeah, I have a I have a bumper sticker on the back of my car that is in the shape of a dog paw, and it says "Who rescued who." Aw. Did you give you yourself an awe? Yeah, I gave myself an awe. <laughs> I'm so he damn cute. know that Okay, cute just got used for a second time. Okay, so we're going to do now officially on the podcast, we're doing a cute count, and that is two. All right, so we're getting a little off subject, but I will, to stay off subject, somebody, and I was on another forum, and they gave me the greatest idea, and I wish I would have thought of it earlier, which was to rent like a RV or a bus and actually go across the country together as a group and like, and like videotape it and record it and blog it and do all that kind of stuff. Live tweet it, all that fancy social media talk. How much of a blast would that be? Like just, I mean, you can rent an RV for like, I don't know. $150 $150 a day or something. Yeah, yeah but they, they, it's it's gas, and they ding you on kilometers. I've looked into it. It's insane what they charge you for. Sorry, excuse me. Excuse me. I just uh, made myself look Canadian. Um, oh, three. Three, right, three. Um, it's expensive, but great idea. It really does. It really is expensive. If you, and, and then the thing is, you're going to need it for the whole time you're out there. You, you're planning to use it to get home. Nah, you just drop it off and then everybody flies home. You, just, gotcha. you rent from one of those those like national RV places where you can just return it wherever you 
Rive. I had buddies that talked about that and stopping at baseball parks on the way and seeing some games. Talk to yeah, I think it'd be fun. Talk to Chris Treba. Chris Treba lives in a motorhome still, doesn't he? I don't know who Chris Treba Circuit is. Circuit Reg. Oh. Great guy. Everyone knows him out there. He, uh, but I believe he runs around in a motorhome. Nice. He's like the John Madden of the circuit. <laughs> oh, welcome to the TPE owners chat. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. What else is going on, guys? Oh, we're on a podcast. <laughs> So let's talk a little bit about live poker. We're going to get into some hands here in a few minutes. Um, but first, I thought it might be good just to kind of get, uh, you know, T-Twist and Cougars, get your thoughts on, you know, maybe how people should be adjusting their play from online to live. I mean, a lot of people are going to be heading out to, to Vegas this summer to play uh, in tournaments, and they've been playing online for the last, you know, 10 months or whatever. Um, a lot of people are going to be playing their first tournaments out in Vegas so, I, you know, I thought it'd be cool to just get some insight from you guys on maybe what to expect, um, maybe some tips for first-time guys out in Vegas, things like that. Um, twist, you know, what would be your top piece of advice to somebody if they were heading out to play their first World Series of Poker tournament? Okay, well, I guess the best way to answer that question is run through my first experience going out there for big major buy-ins. It was 2007. Um, super nervous, you know, thinking the world. I remember walking down the main corridor to the in the Rio. Everyone knows the walk down to the Rio poker rooms is just like seems to take forever if you don't get dropped off at the, the main entrance. If you go through the casino, it's just forever. But just right. walking, I was with Casey, big dog, and and my wife and uh, a few friends were, you know, 10 or 15 feet behind us. And it was just like, I was just like mentally preparing, like getting into the zone. It just, my heart rate was accelerated. My My palms were sweaty. I was like, this is everything I've ever wanted to do. And it was a $1,500 buy-in. And it's like, wow, I'm right where I want to be. This is what I've dreamed of. And you know what did it for me, Tim, when, when you, they, you walk, when you do that walk and they have the big uh, banners of the players of the year. Oh my God. You know, Diego, you just gave me chills. I swear (laughs) to God, I'm not kidding. I know exactly what you mean because as the years went on and more pictures got added and mine didn't and, uh, (laughs) and I I kept making that walk. They could, your picture's in the back room. And if you see this guy, (laughs) yeah, that's right. That's right. You you can find my phone number on a few stalls, but, uh, but no, I, I, that, the the big, like you're talking like the six by 15, big, huge uh, facial shots of, of, you know, and not even like some of the biggest names in the world, but guys who have just done something special at the uh, World Series of, the of Poker. The Grand play- yeah, the- uh, Madsen, yeah, you know, like players of the year, right? Is, yep. is if that's what that is, I didn't even really clue in yeah. that they were actual uh, the POI of the of this of the uh, series. Yep, that's what it is. With it. Incredible. Um, but I will say, in, in, in speaking of those uh, photos, one of the greatest things I have seen in my life is when I walked into the uh, Amazon room. And Russ Hamilton's was uh, taken down. Yeah. That was incredible to me. That was a big moment to the average poker player. They might not even uh, really have a clue. What I speak of Russ Hamilton was the main man behind the UB scandal and had ripped poker players off. He won the won the 1994 main event. Uh, I could be off by year, but I don't think I am. And uh, uh, the World Series of Poker did their due diligence and took that uh, SOB's face. Now the new thing is, is when I as soon as I get to the Amazon room this year, I'm screaming in there to see if Chris Ferguson uh, is down. 
<laughs> and I'm not, you know, we might laugh at that, but I'm being serious because if that still hangs in there, that that's that's saying something to me. It, it says that the WSOP is behind Full Tilt and and the things they've pulled and the antics. So this is this is going to be a big moment for me when I walk in there. I think they can't confirm this. I think I heard someone say that they were going to like not necessarily take it down, but but high, like put it in a hard to see place, like. Not exposed, like you know, above the the, the main areas, but like in the worst spot the for. Corner. Yeah, but yeah. I don't know how you do that with the ordering of stuff. But I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure and if that's. It'll be interesting. To, it'll be interesting to see the whole reaction to to full tilt situation out there this summer. I don't. You, I don't know. What you know, the other thing be. I was thinking was that you know, as a lot of people who follow who have money on FTP know, there's talks of poker stars buying FTP. And everyone will get their money back. And I was thinking, how great would it be if that happens in enough time for people to make it out there and play some events? Although maybe we're starting to get cutting too, yeah, close. It's too close. Yeah, it's well, getting too close. close. Within 90 days of whenever it goes through, but we're not even exactly sure when it's going to go through or if. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I guess you're right. Because I think the economy, you know, the, the, the WSOP was big last year. And, it, and, it, and people were trying to predict, is it going to be big? Is it going to be small? Because of Black Friday, but I think the factor that drove the the growth was that so many people got money out of Poker Stars, like yeah. you know, two three months two months before. And they were taking shots, and they were taking shots. Like, all right, well, I just got this, uh, you know, 10k or 5k or whatever, uh, you know, whatever you had in whatever people had in there, and they were like, I can go take a shot, and that's it for me for a while. Yeah. But and, right. but if the same thing happens with FTP money, you know, right before this 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 comes through, but I guess Christmas. it's just not really fast enough. Well, but you know what? That said, I guess it all comes down to how long all of the DOJ stuff happens because Poker Stars will pay it back pretty quickly, I think, if it, if they get it, yeah. because they paid the other stuff back pretty quickly. I agree. Yeah. yeah but uh, anyway, it'd be nice for that money to enter. The, the... Right. And and the best thing, just yeah, that's a great point. It'd be nice if that influx of money could hit. But to, to further the point about entering the Rio, and I just had a, a thought about it while, while, while you guys were speaking, and this, this can go for Derek, who's a big fan of music, and, and Sean and Diego, who are huge um, sports fans. The feeling when you go to a rock concert and you park the car and you get out of the car, and I mean, for rock concert, have a couple beers or whatever, and you head on head on to into the stadium and the vibe when you walk through the door and then, you know, as you go through that little aisleway that gets you out into the arena and then you see it, much like a baseball game when you walk through, you know, you, the usher looks at your ticket and you, you, you pop your head out and, and you're, you're staring at what you, what is your hallowed grounds of a baseball diamond. When, and I, I'm telling you to the podcast listeners, if you're going to Vegas this year and you're a first-timer, try to suck this all in because it's your first experience. That walk down the hallway, when you walk into the Amazon room, and when yeah. you see that final table set up and the lights and the cameras and the ESPN and yeah. the beat reporters, guys, this is the, the this is the amazing. this it's amazing. And I draw the same parallels I feel when I walk into a National Hockey League. Uh, arena a major league baseball stadium and when i walk into the Rio convention center i get the same chills the same feeling and i, I just want you to not to, don't get caught up in the hype and forget about absorbing all this because it's your you only get one shot at a first time right you know and i, I was right. listening to the final table podcast uh it's a podcast that dennis phillips does with uh paul harris i don't know if you guys mm -hmm. listen to that but it's pretty good um you know, I try to absorb as much poker stuff as I can, and when I'm done with the the two plus two one, I want to, uh, you know, I look for something. I usually listen to that one. Um, 
And I think they, it was, I think it was Bernard Lee who was on, and, and he had some great advice. So I'm just going to basically say what he said. He, you should do basically what Tim said. If you're playing, don't make that like don't go there even a half hour earlier and, and get yourself acquainted with the place that day. And don't walk in there cold. Walk around the night before and 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 from not just from a, a, a perspective of, of a poker fan, but you're going to be overwhelmed the first time you sit down in that gigantic room um, if you're doing it the first time you show up in that room. And you don't want to be, you know, you don't, and, and the, you know, the, the blinds will start moving fast and they'll go fast and you don't want to make nerves <clears throat> or a mistake from being overwhelmed by the whole thing. So go there, walk around, check out where your table's going to be, you know? <laughs> like, you and, know and the other cool thing is, like, listen to, listen to the sound of the yeah. room. Right. Listen to the banter, the chatter, the the, uh, the the chips, the clicking of the chips of three thousand players ruffling yeah. their stacks. It's, the Amazon is beautiful, man. It's I can't explain beauty. it. It's a thing of beauty. Just it is. all that poker going on and hearing all that sound is a thing of beauty. And if you right. if you if you play the main event, the, the start of the main event is just the first time you do yeah, it. Is there's a nothing memory. like that. Oh, that's that. And the other thing is, don't be overwhelmed by the situation either. It's still poker. If you're sitting down in a fifteen hundred dollar buy-in at the World Series of Poker, it's not because you're playing your your first live poker match or poker tournament. Okay, there's a reason why you're there. Remember that. Okay, right. you, you've done something good before. Someone's seen something in you. you. You've been successful at a point in your life. Don't forget all that and leave or that. You're just, uh, you're just rich. <laughs> or you're just rich, you know, and you're like, hey, I heard poker's pretty cool. Oh, there's a $1,500 buy-in at the Rio today. <laughs> I want to play that all-in game. <laughs> $1,500. i got to get me some sunglasses and a hoodie. So... <laughs> Just that that's I mean, without really talking about strategy at all, that's the best way I can explain my first initial experience uh with the WSOP. Yep. Yeah. And I was Very just gonna cool. say verbalize everything. <laughs> and there we go. Yeah. That's the end of the <laughs> Well no, but Thanks. you know what, you laugh, but I think for someone who hasn't played live much, I mean I you know, if you played live you, you know enough of what you have to say and what you don't have to don't yeah. say. But until you're comfortable, just say what you want to do all the time. Nothing will ever be a mistake if you verbalize what you're trying to do. Yep, exactly. And actually, the WSOP (laughs) made it a rule you have to say all fold or all in at all the final tables now. Yeah. Yep. You have to announce your action. You basically have to become your own commentator and announce your action. Yeah. Or or feature tables, too. Yeah. Final tables and feature tables. It's a horrible, horrible rule. Yeah, I agree. But they also gave us the rule back of allowing when your head's up at any point in the tournament to discuss your, your hand. Yeah. yeah, which is cool. Yeah. In, 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 like you're even allowed to flip your cards back over now yep. and watch it, it, your opponent's reaction when he sees that he's bluffed you and he has the loser. Yeah, but you have to be end of the action. Right. Be, right. Yeah. yeah. You have to be. Yeah. yeah. Right. He can't, he, he can't have an, an action. Left. Like, yeah, if it's the first guy to act and he like shoves. Right. Exactly. Like, uh, right. On the river, and then it's just to me. I'm a, and I have aces on like a stupid wet board. I'm like I can flip over the aces just to to see that first three four seconds of uh, your opponent's reaction. Yep. Which is All right, so let me ask you guys. What, so, what would you equate? You guys have both played fifteen hundred dollars and one K tournaments at the World Series of Poker. What would you equate that to online? What kind of level of skill online would you equate that to? Twenty dollars freeze out. Tim, you agree? A one K at the World Series of Poker. A one and a one point five K because they're both one point five is a little better, but yeah. Okay, let's just take a one. Depends if it's on. It depends if it's on a weekend or during the week too. On a weekend. Weekend Warriors. Weekend, you're honestly going to see play as bad as a $5 rebuy in a 1K. 
because that's the only buy-in these people can play because everything else is way beyond their bankroll. So they're still going to have the good players there. They're just going to yeah. yeah. also. Be I mean, here, here's my feeling of almost all the poker tournaments. Like, you're gonna if uh, if the first 1K gets 5,000 people. 90% of that field, no, probably not 90, maybe 85% of that field are going to be somewhat inexperienced, amateurish, and fishy a bit. Mm-hmm. Okay. 10 to 11% so I mean, are probably going to be mediocre like, break What does that mean? Like my numbers okay. could be a little bit off. And then that final 5% are going to be deep-thinking professionals. But what like, does that mean in terms of how you should approach the tournament that it plays like a 5 or a $20 freeze out and uh, is, is, should we you know does that affect how we play how 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 aggressive we are how many chances we take do we do we play more reserve like do we do we let people make mistakes or do we try to push people around what, what exactly do we mean by it plays like a five dollar or ten dollar depends on the stage of the tournament i think and also depends on your table draw <laughs> you could have a table with three right. or four really good solid aggressive players and that's going to limit what you can do but if your right. table is extremely passive, you can probably run them over. So yeah, it's hard gonna... to like. It's hard to really tell you yeah, what your up. strategy should be until you get a feel for your table, because each table is going to be independent of the other ones. Now, I'll that, tell you, that's a great call. I was just going to say that within the first, like the the, the level is going to be twenty five twenty five when you sit down. Yeah. Okay, for an hour. Yep. Okay. Basically, the it's best to be there for the first hand and get a read and put a you know, like a, a number over a person's head, like whether one through five, where, where you think they are in their poker game, and then try to exploit them that way, because you are going to get some really bad players, and you are going to get some really good players. Um, it, what was it, last year? Last year I played a 1K, and I sat with Chris Ferguson for the first four hours of the tournament hmm. and didn't say yeah. a word to the man. But the man didn't play hardly any hands either, so what do you need to worry about Chris Ferguson for? Yeah, he's <laughs> right. at your table, but he ain't doing anything. Right. So don't get caught up in that either. If you, as a first timer, if you sit down with Phil Ivy across, staring across from you, be really happy that you got him level one, two, and three. <laughs> right. right. Yeah, and not, not on the bubble <laughs> because I didn't want to get moved to his right <laughs> ten from the money. Or you yeah. know what I'm saying? That's the other thing. You know, these guys aren't coming to just bomb their chips away either. Yeah, I found that's that was the point that I was going to make, Tim. I, I, I played a, I played a couple of one Ks and one point five Ks, and I felt like. You know, unless you think they're they, you know, you observe and you think they're a good player. If you just think they're the average person who's spending a one k to take a shot, or you know, won their seat in their home game, you know, everyone, uh, you know, great call. Yep, there's lots know, of them in there. Lots of that, lots of that out there. They, 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 they're not taking huge risks. They're going to value their tournament life a lot more than they're going to value their tournament you. life. Absolutely. Well, I mean, I still, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I definitely. I, I value my tournament life, but you're right, more than – way more. You're going to be willing I'm. to take more chances to give you're yourself right. the best opportunity to final table. They're yeah. – They want to say they cash. Yeah, per- fair enough. I'm t- you know, and I guess I'm referring more towards early in the, in the tournament. Yeah. I feel like last when I played them, especially last year, they were so – one, it, it was pretty clear that, that they weren't taking big chances with big bets early, okay? But two – so easy to value town when they had like top pair or second pair good kicker or something like that. It was so easy to get value, three streets of value in many cases. If you know, couldn't put them all in because then they would fold. But if you bet size correctly, they pay you off. That's yeah. my observation from that that size tournament. 
Yeah, and it seems like in those early stages too, like nobody is really three or four betting without hands. Like it just doesn't happen yeah, early yeah, in those no. tournaments. You know, I think you get in the mid stages and things like that. It's, that all starts to change. But I think, I mean, in those early stages, you make it seventy five and somebody makes it two fifty. Like they have queens plus or ace king <laughs> all day. Right. Right. Uh, and so, and I, a thing, a point that I don't want to go missed is if you if you make six or eight uh, treks a year to any of the circuit events or you, you, you play any Venetian deep stacks during the course of the year, remember this, folks. Every time you sit down in these circuit events and this stuff, you're going to get 10 and 12 and 15K starting stack. Yeah, those are great. And be, be very aware that you're only getting three times your buy-in for a starting stack. So when you sit down to a $1,500 event at the series, you're only getting 4,500 chips. That's another key thing I want you to remember. So you, you play all year long in these circuit events. You show up with your buddies. You do this. You do mega stacks. You do Venetians. And you run around on the H, the Heartland Poker Tour where they're giving you – every one of them is a deep stack tournament. Right. You show up at the World Series. You got 3K and a 1K. You got 4,500 and a 1,500. You remember this. Hour, you also get an hour of 25-25. Yeah, all, that, that, that is also 50. true. I was going to say I was prepared to be like, oh, this, this shit's flying by. I but think the I, structures are great in the world, too. Yeah. I mean, people complain. I don't really have any issues. I'm with, I'm with Sean on that. I felt like this, is, this was way deeper. This played way deeper well, than I thought it was going to play. I, I think you do have plenty of time, but I think that when you make – moves, you're going to be committing a that's pretty point. substantial yeah, yeah. portion of your staff. That, that's you a know? good I mean, point. Yeah, and I guess what I'm trying that. to say is, is with only having 4,500, and I think what's the third blind level? Is that going to be 5,100? I got it over. Yeah. I mean, if you really yeah. haven't taken in a pot in a 3K by then, I mean, in a 1K where you only start with 3K, yeah. I mean, you only got 25, 26 bigs. Well, there's yeah, a much right. better chance that you're going to bust out in the first three levels, but the structure plays so much deeper later on that it's worth it. Yeah, you get that like early double up, and then you know maybe another double up or a triple up, whatever. Like you, then you're in really good shape. That's the thing about those two. Yeah, that's whereas point two, like if you do, man, where a, a double doesn't go so, it goes a little more unnoticed in a circuit event, right. because like what you're saying, the thirty minute blinds, the forty five minute blind yeah. level, fifty minutes catch up so much quicker. Yeah. Whereas the blinds stay pretty slow at the hour levels, and, and I think slow increases. I think, um, the series is a little bit more keen on not missing levels. Yeah, they don't miss right. many. Uh, where the circuit events and like Caesar's Mega Stacks and D you'll go, Oh, hey, what happened to hey, what happened to <laughs> yeah. it's funny how played a twenty five fifty or twenty five or two hundred and fifty five hundred, but where's you know, twenty five hundred, five thousand? It's just weird. But you do get a fifty seventy five, so <laughs> Yeah. Fifty seventy five. It is yeah. so weird. Yeah, no, I, I, I think it does play a little deeper than than, than we're giving it credit for it. But I think Derek's point is, is is absolutely right. One big move, which is why you really shouldn't do anything crazy in the first level or two, because unless you you know unless you 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 really feel like it's 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 the right thing, because one big move does cripple you. Because if you're going to put you know twelve hundred chips in on a bluff or just, you know, trying to force someone off of a hand, which once again, if they have something decent, they're hard to get off hands, then right. now you're at 1800 and it's going to be 50, in five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's tough to three, it's tough to three barrel at 50, if you haven't increased your stack right. significantly, you know, and it's hard to three bet and it's well, really impossible three barrel, to board that. Three barrel for your stock. Well, yeah. True. Right. That's what I mean. Yeah. yeah. And people are getting so many chips nowadays on three and four barrels at live that, you know, in the last circuit event, I, in the last couple, I, the live players are really starting to pick up on the three, four, and five betting. 
I will say that. Yeah. Would you also agree that that you know, now this is in gen- well, in general the the like opening sizes and bet sizing is getting better. I don't know if I'll say it's significantly better yet. Well, yeah, Lee Childs is training all these live guys now. <laughs> That's true. Uh, <laughs> but you know you're starting to see a lot more like. 2.5x opens yeah. and things like that, where it used to be really common to see like 5x, 6x, you know, but and 3x, never less than 3x. Um, Your average player has gotten better. Yeah, but that seems that seems to be what I'm saying. Yeah. But that was inevitable. Yeah, those mm-hmm. those damn training sites. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, bl- I blame the training sites. Yeah. <laughs> really, those training sites are making people better. Hmm. <laughs> One one piece of advice that I would definitely give: dress warm. <laughs> I, I can't agree. That, that's a great point. I mean, that, that was another thing that goes like missed and unnoticed. I never um, have that problem. God, I wish I didn't have that problem. Yeah, I have that problem too, man. I do get cold. Yeah, I mean, maybe, I literally shiver at the table. Maybe you guys should get a spoon or something. Maybe maybe Derek is sitting on Tim's lap or something. <laughs> Wouldn't be cute. <laughs> or, I had to get my cute out of the way. Five. <laughs> I, I'm a little heavier this year, so it might not be as big of a problem. Hey, what are you saying? <laughs> I'm, I'm saying I'm fat. <laughs> Too good. So, Sean, any other uh, any other tips from your end? I know you mentioned the, the verbalize everything. I mean, I think some of these simple tips are the, are some of the best because keep, they're the things that people don't really think about. One of the key things is to keep uh, running tabulation in your head of how big the pot is. Yeah, so you don't have to go back point. and try and figure it out on the turn of the river. <clears throat> that way you can point. dictate what you want to do with your bet sizing based on the pot size because just by doing that, your opponent's not going to be. Right. And you can get away That's with a lot more, too, as far as say the pot's 2800 and you're wanting to get some thin value on the river and you bet 9 or 1100 they're probably not going to be paying as much attention oh that's it only 900 to win that and they're much more likely to call off if you think they have a decent hand and they're willing to call off you can bet even bigger on the river in some circumstances and they won't realize how big the pot is compared to your bet size yeah yeah people are very stack unaware in these things and that also goes with they aren't going to know what your, you know, like uh, stack sizes are pre-flop, too. Like they right. don't really look to see what your stack size is and what they're trying to do. You can kind of gauge how thinking your opponents are if you can see them eye your stack so they tabulate a plan in their head whether they do or not. Right. If they pay That's no attention advice. to it, you obviously probably aren't going to give them credit for being that great of a player. Yeah. All I want to do is go play poker now. Well, I'm just talking about well, it. All I do is just go play poker, sit down at a table. Oh my god! Real soon. And, and I think the number, the number that you put in your head that you think they'll pay off, bet that. Don't like think, oh, he'll pay me off a grand here and bet seven hundred. So you're right. almost trying to please, please, please call me. Bet the right. bet the grand. That like I find that I find live players like 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 Sean saying they they'll pay you off. Uh, another yeah. little thing I've noticed, if you're going for value, single chip, like if you're uh, betting a 1,000, instead of betting like a bunch, you know, a 500, 400s, and a four greens, if you're going for value, just bet a single chip, because I'll probably just flick it in like whatever. Yeah. If you're bluffing, I'd do multiple chips, because it looks like nice. a lot more. Great point. It's the same number, but exactly. it's how you See, put yeah. the chips in. 
See, I sometimes, and maybe I'm just like double, quadruple leveling myself, but sometimes I'll say, okay, I'm going to use a bunch of chips here to make it look, make them think that I'm bluffing. But I usually only do that against good players. Yeah, that, I agree with that because then it looks that way against good players. Yeah. So you make I it like, instead of 1,000, you I was make saying it like. that against your very amateurish, right. doesn't have any idea. Like, yeah, that, oh, that definitely makes sense. I have top pair. How am I going to fold? It's one chip. I'm not realizing. That it has the same amount, but when you're saying, "Oh, it's all those chips," I don't want to lose all those chips. Right. You know, we have a, th- you know, some of these things reminded me that we have a theory video on live MTTs on the site. So if you go to the video page and you sort by TPE theory, um, it's not too far down the page, and some of these tips are covered. Just so anyone yeah. wants to watch a video. Hey Tim, you, um, I, I know I've seen you wearing headphones at the table before. Yep. Uh, would you agree with my advice that you maybe keep those off for the first level or two while you're getting a feel for your table and, you know, kind of get, getting to hear what, you know, because you, like you said, you hear people talking like, oh, my God, this is my first tournament or I'm so excited I can't, you know, I hope I don't bust in the first two levels. Like, that's all important information. So do you just keep those headphones off for the first couple hours and then you can start chilling? I, I don't, but I, I see your point. But I'm, well, it, I'm, and I'm thinking mostly for a new, you know, somebody who's fairly new to live poker. I think you're losing information if you don't do that. I really think you should be paying attention. Now, I, I bring my headset, but because at, there's going to be a certain point where I need to just sort of change my mind state or just, or you know, somebody take, obnoxious next to you. Y- yes, that absolutely. Or just take a little mental break from paying attention to everything every moment for, you know, five, ten minutes. You know, still watch the action, obviously, but so to just keep, clear my mind a little bit. But I think there's so much information to be gained from your table that you yeah. should be paying attention. I think for the for the, the player that we speak of that this matters for, um, I can't see why you would even want to listen to music at that point. Yeah. I mean, this is everything right. you wanted to do, get to the World yeah. Series, right. play these events. Like, I can't see you just popping your butt down and flipping your headphones on 10 and be like, dude, 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 you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's yeah just, I can see if you're playing 30 events. If you're an experienced enough player and you're, you're a top top pro in the world, I don't think that matters. You can fire your headphones on and go because right. you, you know where you are and, and what's going on. And, right. I, yeah, so I guess I agree with you. I think it's a bad idea to plop down if you're new to the scene and – Get a get a read on your table because we have spoke of how important it is in these first two levels of figuring out exactly what you have to deal with for the next ten hours. Right. Um, so yeah, no, I, for me. But this is the weird thing about me: when I sit down at a table and it's a full like day one, like of any kind of tournament where there's going to be fifteen hundred people gathered, mm-hmm. I put my chips on because I have the and this isn't a thinly veiled brag. I have a Bose headset that has the noise reducers. And the only reason I bought them was because it drives me bananas of all the chip clicking in a room of all these people. <laughs> so I put my headphones on, um, I put them on low, and then I just basically can really only hear the music. And if I'm going to get in, involved in a hand, like I'm sitting back watching all the, the, the players, like physically watching the mm-hmm. action And if I'm not in a hand. As soon as I get involved or put a single chip in the middle, the one earphone comes right off. Like uh, the, off oh, yeah. the, either my left ear or my right ear. Who like if it's if I'm in the three hole in a, in a seat and the action's going to be to my left, the left earphone's coming off, right? Because so I can see what, hear what's going on. And and same with wherever the action's coming from. But right. that's why I have the headphones on just to to kill the uh, the room noise. Yeah, that's yep. a great great way to do it. go about it. Cool. Good advice. Some, sometimes I just put them on and don't even play music, but that way people don't bother me. <laughs> That's that's the thing. Please don't talk to me. <laughs> but you know, sometimes you get those people at your table who are just a little 
on the annoying side. Yeah. And you can kind of phase it out if you don't have to say anything to him. So yep. I find in, I, I find in poker. There's always an annoying person at your table. Yeah, you can't. Yeah. and I might be it. For all I know, I might be that person. I don't you know. Are. But nobody said that. Yeah. to tell you. <laughs> I know. I know when Danny and I were playing next to each other, and we were doing oh, bottomless Danny, jacket Danny wins. Oh yeah, we were definitely the annoying people. <laughs> no, Danny's actually so. silent. I think most of the time. I think you're right. Because I sat as loud as he is every other moment of his life. Yeah. It's yeah, he. he, he um. You gotta love that kid on a bowl of loudmouth soup, eh? <laughs> He's classic. Oh yeah, they that's that's like uh, that's your side dish in Newfoundland, eh? The loudmouth soup. <laughs> you know, he, to speak of that, me, Mike Hunsucker, Big Dog, and Danny just went uh, and played golf this week together. It was an absolute riot. What a, those are some really good people, man. Wow. That sounds awesome. We had a good time. Those are definitely good guys. Yep. Cool. Well, uh, I guess you know those are some good sort of general tips for people who might be new to the series or whatnot. Um, I suppose we should jump into maybe some more specific stuff. Actually, talk some hands. Uh, so what we've done is we've pulled some hands from our forums that are actual live hands. Uh, you know, people had strategy questions um, from live, various live tournaments they played, and I think we have a nice little variety of tournaments. Um, so we'll go over some of those and uh, see what the pros think. Sound good? Sounds Absolutely. great. Cool. Uh, Diego, you want to take the first one? Yep. Sounds good. I'll do that. So the first one is a um, posted by a member relatively recently. Um, it's a 1650 Heartland Poker Tour event. Um, the title is HTP Interesting Hand. And I'll read the uh, what he wrote, and we'll go from there. Um, he says, this is an interesting hand. He played at the 1650 HTP event. Um, he wants some feedback on his line, um, and if anyone will pull the trigger on the river. So that's what he was asking. Um, so here's the situation. It's the second level of the tournament. The blinds are 100-200. Um, he doesn't remember the stack sizes of everyone in the hand, but approximately everyone has about 30K starting stack. Um, under the gun limps, MP limps, and then the button limps. Great play so far. Sounds like live poker to me. <laughs> Stellar. Stellar. events at their finest. <laughs> Stellar. Um, he completes the SB in the small blind with 10-5-club-club, uh, uh, which seems fine, I guess, right? It's for, yeah, uh, with that many people yeah. in the hand, it's probably fine. I mean, you might get yourself in some weird spots, but whatever, right? It's, as long as you're able to get away from that when you flop a 10 and somebody... Yeah, that, that's why, know, that's kind of why I don't like it, but... You know, for the flush stuff, I guess it's okay because we might get paid yeah. off well enough there. Um, okay, and the big blind check. So there's a thousand in the pot. The flop comes six six two, and it checks around. Um, he doesn't say anything about the suits, so I'm assuming it's nothing of Rainbow-ish. significance. Yeah. Not clubs. Yeah. Um, okay, checks around. Uh, turn is a two, and it checks around to the button who bets one thousand. So our player here checked it around. The button makes it a thousand. He has ten five. The board is six six two, and he thinks six six two two six six two two, and it's a pot size bet. And he says he thinks for a bit, and he he makes it three k. So he goes for a check raise bluff here. Uh, any any thoughts so far? Well. Pardon me. Oh, oh. no, no. He, well, yeah, right. you're, you're saying don't, don't, 
don't see don't uh I just don't think it's not completely unnecessary. Unnecessary, right? Not, yeah. yeah. You have I ten mean, high. Yeah. He lent. I mean, he definitely could have a six in his range. He could have a two, and you might be able to give him to fold a two. But there's only a thousand in the middle, and he bets pot on the turn. I mean, is it really well, necessary at one hundred, two hundred, with no any, one hundred fifty big blinds deep? Uh, and showing zero strength pre-flop. Showing zero strength pre-flop. I understand not leading the flop, exactly. but how often are you check raising with a six there? Yeah, but showing zero, strength, showing zero strength pre means you don't have Broadway or you don't have you know, yeah. a high pair or something like that. So you're more likely to have one of these two cards. But, okay, continue. I mean, are right? you really yeah. check-raising there very often with the six on the turn? Why wouldn't just lead the turn? Right. Especially with other people still in the hand. Yeah. That's, that's what I was going to say. Like, because I, it sounds like the action is... But yeah, button bets. He's in the small blind, so there's still two other guys in the hand. So why not just call behind there with a with a six? Well, here, here's the thing with the with the play. If he's first to act on the river, he has to check raise the turn if he's going to lead the river. Right. Because you can't you can't check call when you're made, and then just lead out the river and expect to get action. Right. 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 That's right. the bottom right. line there. That. Yeah, right. So if he, if his plan, if he's made this plan like he apparently has, which is, I, I'm not in agreement with this plan whatsoever, just to make that statement. But if you're going to make this plan in your head, he has no, no, um, no choice but to check raise there. And I think check raising pot is horrible yeah. because that's an, that's that is like the, that's the bogus check raise in that spot. Who has the hand check raises and bets pot? Because if I do have the hand. I bet pot to get you to call? No. Right. Um, I bet check raise for some sort of value that's going to make you try to spew at that point if I really have the goods. Right. But the bottom line is um, if you plan on making this kind of a play first to act on the river, it's mandatory that you check raise the turn because your line is shot if you don't. You can't just check call and then you have the goods and bet 75% of the pot and expect to ever get called. But it seems... Like Tim, he did check raise the turn. You're aware of that, right? That's what I'm saying. That's what he has to do. He has to do that if he's going to bluff the river. If he's going to lead the river. Right, okay. So how about this one piece of information? I'm going to play devil's advocate for a second. I agree with you guys, but I'm going to play devil's advocate. Why would the button bet 1,000, which is pot at this point, with a a made hand, why would he bet so big to get everyone to just fold? You know, if he's going to try to get people to enter this hand with him, why wouldn't he bet 500, 600, 400 even to get people to put something in I will say and I'll, Tim and Sean might be better to answer this but I'll, I will say that one thing I've noticed is when when there's a big multi-way pot and somebody flops a monster like that and it checks around it, it's almost like they need to they feel like they need to make up for miss for not getting any money in on the flop and they bet really big on the turn to try to catch almost, up you know, for their missed bet yeah they kind of feel like I don't think it's like a conscious thing I think it's just like a subconscious thing where it's like Shit, you know, how often do I flop trips, not, and now I have a boat, and there's no, you know, there's no money in this pot, and i got four people in the hand. I'm not exactly sure why he did decide to bet pot on the turn, but why did he limp behind on the button? Uh, and, and you know, yeah. two, that sounds crazy, but a two, deuce deuce is in the button's range for limping mm-hmm. so deep. And maybe he did flop a boat. I mean, he could have five, six suited, six, seven suited as yep, well. Yep, totally. A six suited. 
Right, that's, that is definitely right. in the limping range there I mean, on the you button. Know, I, I don't know what his limping range is. I mean, he doesn't really go into any dynamics about right. the players, the the opponents in the hand. Right, right. So, but address the the, the question. I, I, I the the reason the, the the devil's advocate role I'm taking here is if the guy bets a thousand, that to me is making me feel like. I think he probably is less likely to have a made hand here if he bets a thousand. If he has a made hand, he's going to bet a little less since no one has shown any strength so far. He might not have any idea what he's doing, too. Yeah, that's very possible. Because if he's going to bluff, I've played these Heartland events. (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely a mixed bag, and there's really no telling what some of the players think or do. And a boatload of satelliters. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's the thing. So can, this Heartland Poker to Tour main is probably. I bet you if they ran a study on it, there's more satelliters in their main events than anywhere else besides 10k main events, where yeah, there's yeah. a huge amount of. It's crazy the amount of satellites. All they run Heartland is satellites po- for eight days. Yeah, they don't run prelims. It's they don't run prelims. And then you show right. up and there's there's like a uh, like isn't there like a couple events, Sean? Or no, there's no pre. Just the main. Just that scene. The it's only crazy. other issue I had with this is I wonder if this Heartland was re-entry, because the last one I played in was re-entry for the first three mm-hmm. or four levels, because then that changes the dynamic some, too. Right. Okay. So there's probably not much we can read into the, to the pot size bet on the flop, or on the turn. I, like, there's it's really... hard to really figure that out without having any idea yeah. the villain, you know, anything about the villain. I mean, I guess right. I, see, I mean, he, what he's trying to do here, he thinks the guy is, I mean, he might have this, the, the thinking what I just stated and thinking the guy's, you know, full of crap and a check raise here would take it from him. With a, But he's betting 3K to win a pot that's 2K. So it just seems like, you know, not necessarily worth the I risk. I do agree with Tim, though. If he does check raise the turn, he has to barrel the river. Right. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, okay, so... So let's go to the river. So it it folds back to the button and he calls. Um, so he calls the the raise, and there's seven k in the pot now. So at this point, I'm thinking to myself, what the hell am I doing in this hand with ten hot? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's it, it, it's the, this bet. is why you and then this is the greatest example of why you don't do not play this loose um, level two of a. I'm in a, a I'm in a sixteen fifty. HPT main event with all these satellite qualifiers, right. and here I am in level two, about to stick in my entire stack possibly with ten i. Yeah, right. That's the point there. I think of the whole thing. So all right, so he he it's seven k in the pot. Rivers a jack, and he you know he leads. Would you guys lead here if you're gonna you know if you played the hand this way and you had to now bet seven k pot? What are you gonna bet? Thirty five hundred. I was just gonna say that was like even I even try to even like I would try to get away with like. Thirty-one hundred, because yeah. I, I know I'm losing it. So how much do I want to lose here? Is what I say to myself. <laughs> because if he has a hand, it doesn't make a difference if you bet thirty-two hundred or if you bet sixty-four hundred. So you might as well go for the minimum. Can, can you right. just say fuck it and just I I'm stupid. <laughs> I'm, I made a mistake. Let me get out of here and just go, go away from it. Or do you have to bet? You like, mean it? you mean check and let yeah. the button check and turn over the winner and you just muck. Yeah, yep. checking. Get, well, yeah, I guess he's gonna check, right? Well, well check. who's okay? How's yeah. the hand play out? Funny thing is, if he does decide to check like that, he's he has to show his hand. He's last aggressor. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> so yeah. in a professional poker tournament, last yeah. aggressor is first to show if it goes check check on the river. Right. And I don't know. I don't know if a guy who's making it one k <laughs> on the turn even knows he has the right to see the hand. Yeah. Right. All right. I guess you could just mock, throw it, throw it in the mock. Yeah, I mean, but you know, also have I mean, to think what hands is he betting the turn with and calling your check raise with. 
that he's not calling the river with. The, the winner. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, I think it's a six, like, all the time. No, it's like, yeah. Or even you might even see some bad players there, like, think he, sh- he should have limped with, like, 7-7 seven, seven, and think they're good. Right. You know, on a 6-6 six, six, deuce-deuce board, my all over pair. Yeah. Jeez, I'm, I'm a satelliter. All right, well, this guy, this, the, the player in this hand bets 5K. So he leads out. So a little more than you guys thought. Um, he asked, how is his line for repping a six? Um, he says he thinks it looked really strong. And granted, um, it does look, his line does look strong, but we just don't think it's worth the risk given what we think this other guy has and how often he's folding. Risk reward yeah. in level two. Yeah. Right. Okay. Now, well, if you're going to play a hand this bad, like you said, we could have saved him a ton of more chips. Instead of making it 3K when he raised a 3K, he could have made that 2400, save himself 6K, 600 there. He could have right. made it 3100 on the river, saving himself another 1800 right. for a total 1500 plus. Right. 2500 yep. plus. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, well. Yep. Well, the villain actually raises him, <laughs> so he raises the 10K. <laughs> And he and he contemplated ripping it in, <laughs> um, to, but obviously, yeah. He says the villain was and a I, good, competent player, capable of making a play with air here. Just, just, just fancy play syndrome, I think, at this point. Yeah, yeah. fancy play yeah. syndrome a bit. I would like to know where he's got this read on the villain at uh, level two. Um, the other thing is, is it's a perfect lesson of playing such uh, a weak. Week two cards to start with at in level two. I mean, yeah, there's yeah. there's there's when you play these hands at this point of a tournament, there's only two percent good coming out of it and ninety eight percent bad. Right. right. Risk reward. It's like you know, there's just there's it's too fancy. It's it's, it's what I say. It's too much television. Not it, necessary. Yeah. You almost could just fold pre flop too because yeah. I mean, even though you're getting a really good price. You're not going to make a lot when you make a flush, no. and it's the only hand you can make. I, I mean, you, you know, I mean, yeah. Granted, the flop could come ten, ten. I can 10, tell you right 10, now, 10, Casey 5. would definitely say to fold pre-flop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh God, yeah. I mean, it's he wouldn't just... even fathom flicking in that extra hundred. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, level twelve when it's five hundred, one thousand, and it's for God who knows why four limpers ahead of you, and it's. You know, 500 more. There's value there in 10 five of clubs. I think if you smash a flop, you're going to win 50, 60 k. But you're, if you smash a flop here and you got someone coming along the way in level two, it's only heartache and pain. Yeah, right. I mean, sorry, not if you smash a flop. If you smash a flop, you're gonna you're, you're gold. But you just don't that often. And then to actually have someone who's willing to pay you off in level two is what you got to put into the equation. People are paying people off in level 19. Yeah. Right. Because the, there's, but the people aren't paying people off in level two. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I just, I just think the value in these tournaments with these deep stacks comes more from being able to extract value from from other players who 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 make mistakes as opposed to push people around. With, right. And and, and yeah. give yourself more room to to lose chips. And if you're the and, if you're the type of player that's not disciplined enough to fold big hands. You're only going to be getting yourself in that much more trouble. And I, and I've said this before. Um, you need to know where your fold button is if you're going to be playing these type of cards at yeah. level two. You better know right. where that fold button is and be prepared to fold hands like top two. Uh, uh, you know, like uh, picking up a big club draw with um, top pair on the turn 
I mean, if you've got action chips firing back at you in level two, it is what it is. It's never a, bl- a bluff back in your face. Right. Well, yeah. I wouldn't say never, but very, never, very, 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 very. Never say never, but risk-reward, right? It's probably... Yeah. Even if it is, give them more credit and use that information later. Yep. Yeah. Cool. All right. Cool. Let's move on to the next hand. Sound good? Sounds yeah. good. This is a uh, a hand from a well, he says it's from a Delaware Park event. I've actually never played up there, but I know it's somewhere up in like the Philly area, I believe. Um, so yeah, again, it's a live a live tournament. Uh, he says it's a decent field, some donks, and a bunch of tourney regs and a, and a few pros. Yeah, this is Pierre. He's you know a longtime member. He's actually been on the podcast before. He's a great guy, and I think he I think he's kind of a regular at this uh, at this casino. So he you know I'm sure he knows a lot about what these players are like and, and stuff like that. Not necessarily these specific players, but the general, uh, the general, you know, feel of the, of the players in general. So, um, he says at my current table for many hours, uh, he says he's been playing really great. He's got 112 K at dinner. Uh, and they are at 100, 100. I'm sorry, 1,000, 2,000 with a 300 ante after dinner. Um, last levels was the rest of the day. And he says the villain and him have no history, only been at the table for one level and no hands against each other. He says his image is pretty tag um, and not losing many pots. There's 150 people left, 36 get paid. So let's get to the hand. Um, He's now at 90K uh, in the big blind with ace-king offsuit. Chip leader uh, from middle position who has about 170K behind. Uh, He says he seems solid. Um, he limps. Wait. Ah, sorry, he limps. <laughs> chip leader limps. That whole yeah, he says he's solid chip. after the limp. Yeah, it threw, it threw me off. Yeah. Because <laughs> no chip leader with 170k Pierre is solid if they're limping. That's the only thing I got to say well, there. That's what I was thinking. It, yeah. Unless the table in general has been active and he's got aces or something, he could maybe do something like that, right? Why? Yeah. Ah, yeah, well, yeah. Which is like just likely to get three bets, so. True, true. Why not open and start building a pot? Yeah. Yep. As soon as I see someone limp at this size blind levels, if I thought they were solid, I no longer do. <laughs> I just think that's that's just glaring. Like, unless they're yeah. trying to portray an image to the table that they're trying to look like a donk, then, you know, congrats to him there. That That's how you want to do it. But nobody's limping as a chip leader who's 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 super competent. I mean, right. this is where you run over a tournament when you have yeah, 170k yeah. and everyone's holding on after dinner break. This is where you start st- st- like just stuffing chips in their in their grill. Yeah. <laughs> true. Yeah, it's true. All right, so we agree that the chip leader's limp is bad. But that aside, uh, he limps from middle position. The cutoff and the button both call. And again, our hero has ace king in the big, big blind. He makes it 12k to go. Can we stop just on the size in there? I want to try to calculate what's what's going on here. So. Yep. What's in the pot to start here? It's uh, full ring at three hundred is twenty seven hundred nannies plus three grand, so fifty seven hundred in the middle. Right. Then there's seventy seven. Eleven seven. So eleven seven. Okay. And Pierre makes it twelve k, so he goes six x with all the extra players. Um, So being out of position, do you guys make it this big or do you go smaller? What's what's a good bet size here with all these limpers? I hate when they get all these limpers. I think it's hard to calculate what to bet here. Yeah, I well, kind of depends on the skill Tim. level of the table. Um, I don't think you want all of them calling. 
Yeah, that's the same, right? right? And you're out of position the whole hand, so I don't mind going a little bit bigger here. Right. I might have gone something like 10-5. Yeah, that's exactly right. What what was exa- What did we come up with was in the middle when it came to Pierre? 11-7. 11-7. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, my my range there is ninety five hundred to ten five. Yeah, yeah. But I don't mind. Yeah. I don't mind it just because he's going to be out of position the whole hand. You kind of want to thin the field here. But how many how many of them are really going to call? You know, like a, a, a nine point five or ten point five. If the, if the first one calls, probably the other two. To be honest with you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I guess I'm committed. Yeah, I guess the I guess first one calls. I guess it depends on how big the other guy's stacks are, too. I guess we can't really... We don't know that, but... Yeah. I think it's played absolutely perfect to try to ISO your action heads up with the chip leader with ace-king at this point. Yep. I enough. think 12K, I mean, it's. A, I think you might get the same ISO with 10K. But right, I think you, when you're in your head and you're thinking th- this through, that's what you need to say to yourself. I need to be- structure my bet in a way here to ISO this action if the limper does call me and he decides to limp call and play this pot out of position. What are they, what is what do they limp? What is a chip leader limp from middle position? I don't know. He's solid. Well, he's not actually going to play the pot out of position. I'm sorry because Pierre's in the big blind. But regardless, I, with a hand like Ace King, obviously um, flop dependent in many ways. I want to ISO this action and get a heads up. I just don't want to go three or four way to or three way to a flop with Ace King. Right. Okay. I, I think even a solid player. I mean, I don't think they should be, but I'm. I'm I think there's a. Part of the time where they limp, you know, fours, five, sixes. There are I mean, certain I, situations I, where I would agree with you. Yeah. I mean, in general, I'm going to raise those guys at the table. Right. But I don't think it's I mean, but my thinking, if I'm the chip leader there, I at least want a min raise to try to get some money in the middle on yeah. the chance that I do hit the flop. So there's something to bet into. So just to limp there and get three more limpers, spike your, your set, and then start firing chips in the pot, hey, guess what? You hit your set. <laughs> like, right, you know, right. that's what I'm saying to myself because it just looks too dang obvious, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. But that's why I'm – because the, just the simple min raise from the chip leader there of 2K more can create the line he may need to, to – the, the line he may need to create to win the pot on the end when he whiffs everything completely. Right. Like, if you play the line angle, the guy limped in pre. Like, you know, in that, if that – well, that I, any, go ahead. Well, I totally agree with you, I, and I'm still never limping, but I also understand the way the game's evolving, that some people are wanting to be more creative, and I do know, I think, some of even the high-stakes players have added in a little bit of limping because the game's got so aggressive. So, I mean, look at Phil Collins at the World Series of Open yeah. Main Event. I mean, he limped every hand. I completely agree with it, and I don't do it yet, but I can understand that way of thinking as far as a pot control standpoint when there's so many three, four, five betting crazy yeah. big game of pre-flop chicken going on. Yeah, and it could be something where he's going to limp because he, everybody's been raising so much that he knows they're going to raise, and then he can just flat yeah. to try to set mine, not have to call a three bet. He can just call a, a raise. But I don't know what the buy-in is here if this person's hating yeah. It's obviously really... Well, knowing Pierre and it being a Delaware Park event, it's probably like... it was. This, a, this wasn't a WSOP stop, was it? I don't believe so. Uh, I think this is like a daily, like, 225 or something like that, or somewhere in that yeah. range. Yeah. But I mean, no, it pays 36, so I'm guessing it got like, you know, 
350, 400 runners, yeah. which is pretty good for a daily. It could have been some, it might have been a part of a big series there around there, something, you know, the Delaware Park Classic or something. Who knows? Right. I just think, uh, like, in that way of thinking, I, I mean, if, if there is a lot of limping, it's just you're adding a dimension of difficulty to yourself trying to take the pot down on the end. That's all I'm saying, you know what I mean? That little min raise at the front, if that's the deciding factor in a guy's decision to fold when you've whiffed, then that's the whole purpose to me of creating the the, the lie or the truth, right. you know, whatever you want right. to look at it. But right. I just hate when, like, you know, you see these people limp. But you know, even on making micro stakes videos and stuff like this, how often do you see people limping so huge? Right. It's just trying to really crush people, right? Yeah. yeah. But it is funny that you say that too, Sean, because there is, you know, I do a lot of, like, when a lot of my buddies get deep on final tables. Mm-hmm. You'll see some of the, the, the better, what we consider to be the better online players in the world. Yeah. And every now and then, it's funny that you say that. I went, he just limped. Yeah. What, yeah. what the I heck is it, that? I think it might be something you see a little bit more of down the road because I think there's yeah. a strategy involved with it. Yeah. And it's, okay, it's an so, area that hasn't been, ex, you know, it's an area that hasn't been exploited yet. Right? Yeah. So, when you're doing right. something different, it confuses people. And if you're able to confuse them, you have a better. Look team. how much it's confused us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, it's, Four of us, and we can't figure out what the hell he has. So how how is one person at the table going to figure out what he has? Right. Strong so point. There's some some logic to it, I guess. But anyway, our hero does make a 12k. Uh, the chip leader who we've been talking about calls, and everybody else folds. Now, so now how is range in this guy? He limp called. Is he just calling everything because he's got 170k, or is that? Yeah, you think so? But I don't okay, know really. what his limping range is. That's what makes it really tough. Right. I mean, it's a pretty big rate. I mean, for him, he's got to call 8K more. And I'm thinking his monsters, though, he's going to go ahead and limp 3-bet there. Right. He's got. Yeah, you would think. I mean, I'm taking aces out of his range. Right. Probably taking kings out of his range. Yeah, I agree. It could and, be and, smaller pairs. It could be, I think it could be ace-queen, ace-jack, ace-ten. I think it's smaller pairs or... Suited connectors. Suited connectors, yeah. I, I think that's probably it. I think it's some aces, too. It could be. Wheel aces and stuff, maybe? Eh, probably not. Yeah, like, th- there's obviously definitely small pairs all the way up to sixes. Sevens, I think, if a guy like... A chip leader looks down at sevens, though, at this point. I cannot see him not min-raising. It just seems way too crazy to me that you just... Here, I got sevens. Limp. Yeah, right. You know, hey, let that let, let the let the big blind who has jack-eight offsuit get there on me. Like, it's, right. just, yeah. it's, it's weird to me, but yeah. who knows? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it, it feels a whole lot like fours through sixes to me. Mm-hmm. But, Even uh, smaller, twos through sixes. Yeah, yeah. certainly possible. Twos through sixes, yep. couple suited connectors. And I don't think he's just open folding pieces or threes there, so. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. All right, what happened? All right, so again, we go heads up. There's 31K in the pot. Uh, again, our hero has ace-king, just as a reminder. The flop comes ace-six-five. He doesn't say any suits, so let's just assume that it's rainbow. Um, and uh, the our ace-king is off-suited. Um, so again, there's 31 k in the pot, a six five. What are you guys betting here? I assume we're betting first of all. Yeah, I think 14. we have to go ahead and bet our entire range that we're ISO yeah. raising there. Even if we have jacks, I'm betting. Right, 14 k has that so. That's right in the that's right in the department. Yeah. I mean, well, if if he makes it nine ninety five hundred pre, it's dumb. The pot's dumbed down a little bit. He can get away with like a ten k lead at this point. It's all about it's all about not bloating the pot here. 
You right. know, and, and his th- just at the start there, making it 12K, now you've got 31K in the middle as opposed to what would have been, what, 26? Am I mm-hmm. close, yeah, give or take, 26, 27? And now yeah. you only have to make it 11,000? I mean, the results ends up being the same here with this scenario. I mean, it right. looks like My it's all going in. If we're planning on trying to get it in on the turn, I might bet a little bit more on the flop. Right. To try to, so it's try like to a pot it. size that, right? Seems to jam the turn. Yeah. So you, you're making, you know, like fourteen five. Is that what you're going to make it with thirty one in the middle? Well, something Sean's saying, maybe even make it a little bit bigger. Yeah. What does that leave him with? Fourteen five plus his twelve he put in is twenty six and a half from his sixty six, and there'd be fifty nine in there after the call. Around. Yeah. So it's just, I mean, I might make it like seventeen. You're doing that to set up a turn shove, is what you're shove, saying? Yeah, if I'm planning on shoving the turn, yes, then I... Yeah. yeah. Okay, but so... also, you can make an argument that you want to bet smaller and bet, like, 8K to get him to spew. So, I mean, you can kind of take it both ways, depending on the opponent. Yeah. Because he might decide, oh, well, that 8K is so weak. Yeah, but 8K... But then he calls a lot, here. and then you got to keep playing out of position. Later streets. Yeah. Although if we think we have the best hand and we're trying to get him to spew, do we really care that much if he calls? Because I don't think he's going to spew as much as you think he is. I think a lot of times he's just called the AK. Right, but maybe that's fine because we have the best hand. But he might call it AK and then he might be more inclined to call your 18K on the turn. Right. Right, fair enough. Right. All as I know is I'm – when okay, we're continuing. He mini-raises to 29K. Yeah. Yeah, Hero bets 14.5K and, and Villain – Min raises the 29k. Yeah, I just vomited all over the table. <laughs> I mean, I'm given the range we just put him on, it's got to be a fold. Because there's, there, like, I mean, Sean, you got to agree with me. Like, there, there's no way in a million years he's limping big aces. Like, is he? Is he limping ace king? Is he limping ace queen suited? He says he lit. I don't know how much he's limping. If he's limping his entire range, yes. That's the whole thing. We don't have, like, the, the string of hands, I mean, 30, 30 hands prior. He doesn't, we don't. Throw, he doesn't throw, he says he's solid, but he doesn't throw in there that. This limp really threw me off because he hasn't limped once. He might be limping all the time. Right. right. And then if he is, he's limping ace ten, ace jack, ace queen. True. But, but does I he don't not? Just, does he not just call the fourteen five and play small ball from there and be resigned right. to the fact that's that he's what calling I think. river bat? That's the issue. Is that, that's I agree. I think he is. That's what I mean. So like, if the guy raises you back there, he's like, buddy's got ace. He's he's. It's. I mean, it's obvious that Pierre has an ace. Raising pre and then barreling like that on an ace high board. Not necessarily. So like I just said, I think you have to represent your entire range and bet yeah. the flop there. That's right. You, you do. So Pierre has so it doesn't jacks here all the time. He might think that. the ace is a good card to bluff because he might think he can get him to fold ace jack or ace ten that he isoed with out of the big blind. Mm-hmm. And definitely get him to fold. So if this guy not nine if this guy has a set already with Pierre first to act. I mean, most of the time, I'm if just going to... set, why isn't he just calling? That's right. How about that? I'm just, that's right. I'm just flatting the 14-5, and yeah. if he's whiffed, I'm allowing him to check the turn, and I'll probably check that turn again to allow the pre-flop aggressor to bluff off a good portion of his stock on, uh, right. on a mixed river, yeah. and then just get a, put the... the river. That's, that's right. That's exactly how I would play it. So that's the thing is, I don't think he is a set here. There's, that's right. I mean, he, he may not have a set in this spot. Hmm. Because why mean, is he raising? It doesn't make any sense. It makes zero sense to limp, call a raise, allow the pre-flop aggressor to barrel the flop, and then you raise him there? Yeah, but who limp calls pre-flop and to, to, to raise a continuation bet? 
It's just that's so that mean. If you have if you have five 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 or six six six, you're never doing that. You might be like Sean saying, you might have the guy on ace jack or ace queen, and his little min raises to find out exactly where he stands. Which is still bad because if you're gonna play a pool like that, you may as well just call the fourteen five, let the turn come out, call this turn back, let the river come out, and you know what I mean, just be a donk and flip chips in for someone. Well, and here's the thing: when he, when he makes a twenty nine k, if Pierre shoves, it's only like thirty k more to him to call, he he has to call a shove. I think. I mean, unless he's got complete air, I guess he could fold, but. If he calls the four, no, he no, because Pierre will be left with fifty. Yeah, it'd still be. He'll still have twenty-seven. It'd still be fifty k more. Yeah, it'd be like twenty-seven more big blinds. Mm, yeah, okay. cause it'd be it'd be seventy-eight k total, so it'd be fifty more k for him to call. Do you think it's? Ah. Could, cause is there even a chance that the chip leader is just trying to cage? And just. But with the limp call, it's hard for me to give credit for caging when he's right. Can he be a cage artist limping? Maybe. You know, it's so funny. Hmm. This is the live dynamics that we run into. Of course. It's a gross spot. I, I, I'm more willing to just give him to, to, to think that he is playing his hand very straightforwardly, given the limp call as a, and, and raising because he has it set. Not that I'm saying it's good and not that people who are solid would do that, but I think he's probably playing poorly and raising here with a set. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely possible. I just don't, from our perspective, it makes no sense. Like, Right, but that's, they're not talking, this guy's not on yeah, a, poker, a podcast talking about poker. Yeah. You know? <laughs> this guy's, no, you, know, some, uh, you know, some turn, tur- live tourney $200 at Del- Delaware Park. Yeah. I mean, I I think I pile here, but I maybe that's just me. I mean, I guess we, we're left with 30 bigs if we fold. We're in fine, we're in fine shape still. But yeah, I, so, I'm completely torn, to be honest with you. Yeah, because it so doesn't make I, any I just, I just went through the whole thread, right? And I, I'm, I'm just kind of skipping ahead. I can't really find out what the actual outcome of the hand was. Yeah, I don't. Think I don't yeah, I don't think he ever says. Okay, so just so you guys know, <laughs> I had to do a quick text of Pierre one four six. Like, what did you lose to here? And officially, he hasn't got back to me yet. So <laughs> I'm dying to know how this yeah. played out. Um. But yeah, so yeah, because yeah, we we don't even know if if Pierre calls or raises or anything. He just wants to know what he should do after the villain makes a twenty nine k. We'll make right. we'll make him post it in the thread. Yeah. Well, yeah. When you hear when you hear this, Pierre, if you haven't responded to T twist, yeah, we need it posted in the thread of exactly how this played out. Yeah, but this just goes to show so, you there's not always a hundred percent correct answer. Like you can make an argument both ways here. Yeah, and and I would say this one is super read dependent, but he says that they've only been playing at the table for an orbit. So it's or hard to have that read. Yeah, I mean, I guess the fact that he's a chip leader is some information. I guess when you throw up on the table, you hope that maybe his card. Yeah, is exactly. Box and then it makes your- <laughs> but what if what if you have a very competent player here that just feels he can outplay anybody at his table on Fourth and Fifth Street, and is willing to limp pre-flop just to get into pots to barrel like this post-flop? Yeah. Well, I mean, if he has. Three, four, or seven, eight. Here, he's probably going to do the same. Yeah, that's very strong point too. I mean, I can't imagine him calling twelve k with three, four though. Maybe seven, eight, but hmm. if he's expecting the other two guys to call, I can see him doing yeah, seven, eight, but not three, four. 
I don't think it'll be four calls. But for me, yeah. because I'm just like so horrific at poker, he says at the end of it, he says proper play, right play, smart play, just thoughts. Jam? Fold? <laughs> um, I can't see. I have a really hard time getting away from this hand. Like it's just maybe I'm just a fish or a donkey, but the like the way he limp calls pre, and then raises raises that flop on me. I'm like he's never doing this with a set, in in my opinion. And if he's got five 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 or six six six, like now you're just yes. you're just calling there, more than likely on the flop, and then letting him jam the turn to with his bluffs. That's exactly how I would play it. I would call. Yeah. I'd fill the rest of twenty nine, check the turn. And then let him make a move, and then he's getting every penny. Yeah. If he's got it, he's got it. Yeah. Right, that's the way to play it if you're going to go with it. Yeah, I mean, I, I because here's the thing. If he's making a complete bluff on you right now, you don't want to scare him away and, and jam that turn, that flop. Yeah. You want to yeah. be able to let him yeah. bluff off the yeah, rest. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course. Yep, yeah. that makes perfect sense. That makes perfect sense. There's no sense. If, you, if he's got it, he's got it, and you're losing, but you may as well bring the element of getting him to bluff his chips off. Right. I'm gonna go on record and say I fold here just because I think he's playing pretty straightforward and and thinks that he should raise a set here. And you're not in not, not that he's doing the right thing, but I think playing the player here, I think given the the, the limp call from the chip leader who is not playing a Phil Collins level strategy, most likely, I think he's probably just not very good and just you know uh, is passive and then aggressive at the wrong time. So I'm just gonna fold. I think there are tournaments you could fold in here, and there are tournaments that you would never fold. Like, if this was a daily or a nightly at the showboat, right. I would never ever fold. Yeah, if, if this was a main event at a table with a bunch of really good players, I could maybe find the fold button. Although, maybe good players are more likely to make moves with air. I don't know. Okay, so I've got a response from Pierre146. Oh, look at that. So do you guys want to know what he had right now, this second? Yeah. Yep. Set. Or, or, or what happened? Ah! Yeah. 555. Five, five. Thank you. Wow. So Pierre, right. Pierre jammed, and then guy obviously called with fives, I guess. No, you're just kidding. Eight ace jack. No, no, I'm 100. percent I just got it <laughs> from Pierre. Kidding. Yeah, he 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 had five five five. Hmm. Um, Diego was right. Oh, so yeah. wow, if you think your opponent has an ace, that's a horrible re-raise of that flop. If you think your opponent has an ace, why wouldn't you just call and let Pierre barrel off on two more streets? Yeah, rather right. than risk the fact that a guy is competent enough to lay down ace king in that spot, because yeah. for the exact reason why I, I the, the exact reason why I said I think he has a set, I just don't think he's he's thinking at that level. I think he's just playing. It's like I got a set, I got to raise. Yeah. Get so the get the so in two different spots in this hand, the limp is bad. In my opinion, because I'm making it 4K there, just on you know the yeah, fact sure, that if I hit sure. the set, I want more money in there. And uh, the raise on the flop is bad with position. Yeah. You, you, if, you're, if you're confident a guy has an ace, he, this is a level two player here, folks. This is someone who only has considered what he has and what he's going to do with it. He's taking zero consideration to what his opponent may have and uh, not realizing that he has a big ace and yeah. that he's about to give him all Thank his you. chips. Yeah. Th- that's right. what I meant. He, he's a level two player. That, that's yes. what I got from the way he played yeah. the, the flop. The free flop. And in the times where Pierre doesn't have a big ace, he he doesn't give him a chance to bluff right. the turn. Like, he literally kills all his ways of getting money, although it sounds like the money got in. So. But by playing it that way, he confused the hell out of us. <laughs> <Very true. laughs> I know for a fact because Pierre's just sent me another text, 
and I'll read it to you. He says, uh, chip, chip Leader was the only one who calls A65 Rainbow. He, may, he makes that point out, so we know it's a rainbow now. He goes, I lead for 12. He mini raises. I jam. Busto. Yeah. So mm. put, oh, wait. That was at the time? What's that? Did he just did he just text that to you, or did you go back and text, old text? Nope, and... Text it to me right now. Right yeah. now, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I can't blame him for jamming either. I mean, you know, Diego have, you know, is right. You know, in this case, he did have the set, but I, I can't blame him for getting it in there. I'm, I'm with you as well. And here, here's the other thing we just mentioned. Um, it is a $200 Delaware Park tournament. Ah, okay. Okay. It's not a, you know, a, a regional uh, 5K. You know what I mean? A World Series event. It's like we, like the, I think it was Sean who just made the point that you know, if it's just a local, da 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 da, it's game on, right? Yeah, right. I think the Delaware Park tourneys are game on <laughs> all the time. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. Right. The lesson to be learned in that play is the smaller buy-in live events. It is what it is all the time, almost. Right. I mean, yeah. Very rarely are they bluffing to 29k in that spot. It's it's almost it is what it is. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. That's okay. All right, cool. So let's uh, let's go ahead and make that the last hand for our strategy segment. Um, I think we covered some some good territory there, and, and obviously early on with some good tips for the for the people heading out to Vegas this summer for the live series. So um, I want to thank Cougars and T Twist for stopping in. Thank you guys. So well, you're welcome. And uh, I found this podcast to be quite cute. Six. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Good conversation. Uh, fun times. All right, cool guys. Try Thank not you. to uh, fall asleep on the side of the road on your way. I'll I hear there's best. a serial killer in Mississippi that's that's taking advantage of people sleeping on the side of the road. Ooh, I'm taking the the northern route then. <laughs> cool. All right, thanks again, guys. We're gonna take a quick break. We'll come back here and wrap it up on the Tournament Poker Edge podcast.
Welcome back to the Tournament Folk Ranch Podcast. As always, I want to thank our pros for coming in. Cougars 4444, Mr. T-Twist himself. It's been a while since we've had him on, so it was nice to, uh, nice to hear from him. Really good, uh, really good talk with those guys today. Yeah, those hands were fun to talk about, especially the Pierre hand where it was really no clear answer. Um, right. But I am going to say I was right. I'm going to I'm going to carry that one right. for a, a long time. <laughs> I yeah. Every once in a while even a blind squirrel finds a nut. Is that the saying? It's, very, it's a very cute joke there, Derek. Very <laughs> very cute, cute, buddy. Very cute. <laughs> yeah, I thought I thought that was an interesting hand. And it's funny too how I think the dynamics are just different live, you know? Yeah. Like you have to take different things into consideration. I I mean, I don't know that I'm right, but I, I think I had said during that ace-king hand of Pierre's that I just get it in there 100% of the time right. when uh, online. And I just don't know if that's always the right answer live. Yeah, online's definitely different. I, I just feel like uh, the, the way the guy played, and I think Tim summed it up well, he was playing level two, and that's what it just felt like to me. I just felt like this is a – like every little bit of evidence there told me that this was a guy who was just playing his hand. Yeah. Way, and, and not well, but just like, you know – I don't know. I guess I can't put my finger on it. I've just seen enough of play like that. But that's right. Me. Yeah, I think if we had a bunch more information, like if, if Pierre had said, oh, this guy's been crazy. He's been like, he's just been like raising every, anytime somebody see bets, he raised. Like there's, there's certainly circumstances where you could say you just 100% get it in. But like, like I think Cougars and Twist said a few times, like live, people just don't make a ton of big moves. Yeah. I mean, so without, in a vacuum, you can pretty much assume they have, maybe not it, yeah. <laughs> but they have something. Yep. And then you just have to kind of use, you know, your your analytical skills to figure out what that something is. Um, and, and don't get me wrong, there's people out there who make tons of moves. But in general, without any more information, they typically have. Yeah, and I think that's also the point I was trying to make about the um, the WSOP 10, 1K and 1500s is early on, given the stack sizes, there's like people just are not going to be making moves because they're 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 shallow or perceived shallowness. Um, so you just get, you know, let don't 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 take too many risks or be a hero early right. in those tournaments. Yeah. yeah, and like you said, it, it it's not even as shallow as they think it is, but they think it's shallow. Right. Yep. You know, the general consi- you know, the general thought on WSOPs is, wow, you don't get very many chips. Right. Know? So they're not, you know, nobody's going to put 900 in in level 1. I mean, you don't get a ton of chips and 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 when we did talk about you you know, you you make one move and it goes wrong and you are short stacked. But the factor that's most important is that they're hour-long levels. So you right. have a lot of time to wait early on to wait for something to happen. You're not going to chip down too much if you don't play too aggressively. By the time right. you get three hours in, yes, I agree, you should be you know, starting to think of, of what you need to do there. But I honestly, in my experience, and it's not a huge sample because you know, how often do you play these? You don't play them that often. But my experience the players are also value townish enough that you I, I just found my chip stack going up, you know, thirty three, thirty seven, forty two, because I was getting paid off three streets. Right. And and I think that's what you have to look to do. And then all of a sudden you got forty two and you're not so short, you know, with these right. long levels. Yeah, I would I would say from experience the experience I've had, the live events that I have gone deep in it's always been like you said, like, you know, in my case, it's mostly like Venetian deep stacks and stuff. So you start with like 15 and then you have 17, 19, and, and you do that for six hours, yeah. seven hours. And then all of a sudden you find the cooler or yeah. the big double up hand, you know, and, and, and then you get another one. And that Those are the tournaments you go deep in. It's, yeah. You know, I, I, many times I have doubled up in the first orbit or two, 
But those aren't the tournaments I win, right? Or, or that I go deep right. in. Right, no, it's true, and it's amazing because if Casey was on this podcast, Casey is wants to have you know a hundred k chips by dinner or go to go or leave. So right. you know, he's going to play it differently. But that, you know, sure. You know, I just think that's that's the way I, I approach. I, I think it. I think don't be fooled by the stack size. You have to look at the, the structure and the length of of the levels there. Yeah. Okay, so. Yeah, and even in those 1,500 events where you start with 4,500, if something does go wrong in the first level or two and, and you lose 1,500 chips or whatever, yeah. you know, be patient because you still have 2,500 or 3K, and if you double up you know, in, in the next three or four orbits, you're yeah. in really good shape yep. with like 6 or 7K. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing wrong with those numbers. Exactly. Cool. So, All right, good stuff. That was a fun uh, podcast. That was a fun Yeah, fun definitely. Those guys. Cool. So let's uh, let's talk a little bit about TPE. First of all, the the bet you don't bet series yeah. uh, kicked off between the last podcast and now, and that was really really well re- uh, re- yeah. received. Yeah. So if you guys don't know bet you don't bet. Um, his name is Dave Emmons. Emmons or Emmons? I'm not. Emmons, Emmons. I believe. Yeah. yeah, and uh, he is currently ranked number one on PokerStars um, through open, on OPR. So he's you know he's legit. This guy's a the, the top ranked player. Um, he just finished his first series with us, and it was a smash. Guy killed it. Yeah. People loved yeah. his videos, um, and uh, and and he, he's uh, he just he moved to Mexico. He's one of those guys who you know moved to keep grinding. He won the T Coop main event for like 400k, right? Something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he's a brilliant player, uh, and so his videos were fun. He's you know he's a gr- great, easygoing guy, um, really smart. He's a grinder, so uh, it's funny. His first sample sort of video he did for us he had like 12 tables going and i told him he had this i told him i was like you know what i mean i know it's easy for you but 12 is just a little too much you know yeah and so he came back with a six video table yeah and i thought that might be too much but once i started watching it he was able to handle it and still you know illustrate concepts and um one of the best things is he covered um nash equilibrium which, yeah. for those of you who don't know what the Nash Equilibrium is, it was illustrated in the movie A Beautiful Mind with Russell Crowe on what is the optimal move um, for uh, each particular person in a game and how deviating from that optimal move makes your moves now suboptimal. And so what happens when you're at that state? And you could figure out mathematically the optimal state of a poker uh, table um, given your hand the action in front of you and mathematically what's the best thing for you to do and, and that just translates into uh, shoving ranges and calling ranges and so right. there are a lot of calculators out there that do that and uh, he uses one during the, the the video and he shows you how to use it and and, and it's a great I've actually been using it um, during my sessions and it's been really really helpful just you know mostly to confirm um, fortunately, I think I'm getting better and better and closer and closer. Obviously, you can't go by a calculator for everything. It's poker, you know, as we just right. saw. Then a lot goes into the reads and whatnot. But for short stack situations where it's like, you know, it's folded to you with 12 big blinds and you're in middle position, you know, there is an optimal line there for the most part. Um, and so that Nash calculator helps you figure that out. And it's good to use that as you start to get better and better. You still don't have to use it as much. And so he's, he's right. a pro at that. Yeah, I think that's how he tended to use it the most. You know, he would he would say, "Oh, you know, I'm gonna shove queen ten of spades here, or whatever," and then he would he would do it, yeah. and then he would go back and be like, "Ooh, it was just you know, I just missed," or yeah, or yeah, right. and you just or, get or sharper exact... and better. You know, you just get sharper and sharper. So we've had a real strong string uh, run of videos uh, with 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 that you don't bet. Um, 
Bourbon for the win. Just finished the series. Mm-hmm. It was fun. Sean himself, Mr. Cougars, who is uh, was just on the line with us, just finished a low um, low stakes series. Actually, no, he's got one more part coming out next week, um, which is awesome. Really um, well received as a one super turbo frenzy rebuy live sweat that he won and it's the penalty final table. Um, and uh, and we got a couple of uh, favorites coming back. Uh, ben Warrington is gonna release another video in the next week couple weeks we have them we're right where we have them and we have them queued up to go and we're also uh introducing a new pro um you want to introduce jeff you know him probably a little bit better than i do yeah i've uh i've actually gotten to play with him a lot which is kind of cool um and have sort of respected his game from afar um but most people will know him by his online screen name, which is Hurricane Jeff. Yep. Uh, he's a lock pro. And um, anybody who grinds tournaments, at least in the hours that I grind them, so like 6 p.m. to 2 a.m., <laughs> if, if you play in those hours, you've seen him playing. Yep. And I think he also plays a lot of sit-and-goes uh, and double-or-nothings, too. I think, so. I think he grinds those. But um, I think he, you know, he's definitely a regular in a lot of the, uh, a lot of the MTTs. So, yep. um, and I think he actually just shipped the high roller on merge like three or four days ago, so people might have seen nice. you know, his, his name from there. So very excited uh, to have him on board and looking forward to his videos. Yep. So Jeff is up coming up. Uh, then we have uh, another series of Casey coming. Um, so videos are rolling. Um, uh, lots of good, lots of good content lately. And we also have a couple of new features coming for members. Um, which I'm really excited about. They've been in the works for a while, and they're going to be released in the next couple of weeks. Uh, first off, we're introducing a member dashboard where when you, uh, immediately upon logging in, it'll show you the latest video, latest posts, latest articles, um, organize the content a little easier for you to find things, and also give you the option to favorite videos and posts and whatnot so that you can find them a little bit easier later. Um, so I just really like that option for members. So when they log in, they, they have a place to start with TPE. Yeah. Um, and then even more exciting, I think, is uh, MTT courses, or we're introducing those, where we are going to take a couple of topics. I mean, basically, we have so much content now um, that it's actually the number one request is organize it for us a little bit better. Right. You know, because then there's so much good stuff that, you know, you go back a year, some awesome articles, they're just hard to find because you don't know, you know, you don't know. And we get the same questions over and over again, microstakes videos, uh, you know, uh, uh, pre-flop stuff, math stuff, and it's all there. It's just hard to find. So we're going to introduce course courses where um, we highlight for you on certain topics. Uh, for example, um, you know, uh, post-flop play where we have the videos that address post-flop play really well, the theory videos, the live sweats where it's displayed, um, articles about it, forum posts that illustrate concepts around it, uh, so that you can scroll through and, and just sort of you know absorb a topic in a little more depth um, as opposed to hunting and pecking. Uh, right. You know, we'll have a beginner version, we'll have micro-stakes, we'll have uh, pre-flop, post-flop, um, we'll have bankroll builders, uh, we'll have getting started at TPE. We'll have, we'll have a lot of different aggression. I think was another topic we're going to do. Yeah. So uh, so that'll be coming in the next couple of weeks as well. So uh, so look for that, members. They'll be it'll be out there soon, and we'd love to get your feedback on it. Yeah, I think that's gonna be really cool. I mean, when you think about it, we're approaching. I think we're approaching 500 training videos, roughly. Yeah, I think that's. Um, and I mean, you could watch a video a day for the next two years. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So yeah, if we can steer uh, you know our members in. in a little bit of a direction uh, for what they're really looking to learn. Yeah. Um, I think that's that's only valuable, and, and certainly if you want to go back and watch all 500, you can do that too. Yep, and I'll, and I'll also mention that for members um, 
who know the site well and have a lot, have favorites, um, we're going to be running some contests where uh, where where we'll ask for your feedback on some of the best content in the individual um, topic areas. I mean, we're going to do we're going to obviously know on our own end here what's the good micro stakes videos and whatnot. But um, you know, we'll put a thread up and say you know nominate content for the micro stakes uh, course. And everyone who posts in these threads will be entered into uh, a contest to probably give away like, what do you want to do three three months of TPE? Does that sound? Yeah, cool? we'll, yeah, we'll find some kind of cool prize for them, something like that. Yeah, so we'll do something like that. Um, and you know, everyone who contributes and nominates co- good content will uh, will enter to the drawing, and uh, just so that we get the community's view in this as well. Yeah, and uh, we'll go from there. Nice. Cool. All right. Well, that, uh, I think that wraps it up. All right. I guess the next one of these will be from the World Series. Yep. So um, hopefully we'll be talking to everybody soon. As we mentioned earlier, make sure and check out the TPE Live podcast. We'll be updating those uh, pretty frequently. So we want to encourage you to check those out and follow uh, all the pros on Twitter for the updates, and you'll find out who's winning, who's losing, who's playing Mario Kart, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. Awesome. So, Yeah, so thanks again uh, to the pros for joining us. Thanks to all of you guys out there for listening, and we'll see you guys next time on the Tournament Poker Edge podcast. Everybody, everybody.